Today, I'm joined by Chuck Petrie. With over 20 years of experience in e-commerce, live event marketing, and artist relations, he's now at Sandbag, a global music merchandise powerhouse. He takes us behind the scenes of the many cool experiences, immersive moments crafted for fans, making the music come alive in ways you've never imagined. Chuck is also a partner in the label Solid Brass Records, where the sounds of the past echo into the present. We dive into the art of reissuing albums from the 90s while simultaneously breaking new bands. Chuck doesn't just operate in the business of music, he thrives in the realm of human connection. So whether you're a diehard music fan, aspiring entrepreneur, or someone just curious about the magic behind the scenes in the music world, I hope you enjoyed this fascinating conversation where we explore the intersection of creativity and commerce. Hey, what's up, Chuck? Thank you so much for taking the time this morning to um, talk with me. I'm excited to uh, get into this conversation with you. What's up, Joe? It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And I'm hoping that I deliver some great content. <laughs> like, I'm super excited to talk to you. And I'm, I'm very uh, appreciative of you having me on. So thank you. It got it, man. Yeah. I mean, obviously, we've known each other over over a decade. Our daughters yeah. are in... Uh, yeah, you know, school together and um, lived in the same part of town. Similar backgrounds with you and me. We both came out to California uh, in our early 20s. You from a rural <laughs> West Virginia town, right, to San Francisco. Can you guys just take it back to like college even or, or your upbringing about what maybe like brought you towards music uh, as just an interest in, in general in your life? Yeah, I mean, I think that like at a pretty, pretty early age, I, uh, you know, got hit with you know, like the bug for like, to me, like all these things that we didn't necessarily have in our, our hometown, you know, I started with skateboarding for sure. And I was around 12 or 13 skateboarding, which led to, you know, like music, like, like punk rock and, and art and art, you know, like all those things that kind of hit at the, the same point for me. And, you know, I realized I wanted to like have that like path, like I feel like in my, in my life, you know, I went to college in West Virginia as well. You know, I, I very quickly, you know, I uh, got involved with our college radio station. And, you know, and I'd say at that point, like I had already like a pretty, pretty deep understanding of some pretty obscure alternative music. You know, this is also, you know, you have to understand the time that was like, you know, Nirvana was like the biggest thing in the world. And, you know, there's so many bands that were part of that kind of like alternative music you know it was it was it was a really special time and like college radio it was it was great you know and i learned a lot and um you know i also started booking shows at our college so i, I was also kind of like working behind the scenes and understanding some of the more like um you know more maybe the more like professional aspects of like the music business you know even at a very small small town or at a college but just kind of learning that kind of behind the scenes stuff and I think that pretty quickly I realized like, oh, this is what I want to do. You know, it was like, you know, in a lot of ways, college is probably more just like a, a vehicle for me to, you know, figure out my career path in music, you know, 
you know, when I, and then when I finished school, I just, I was like, Oh, I'm either going to go to New York, which seemed like the scariest place in the world to me, or I'm going to go to California, which I felt was like more part of like, even though I never been there, <laughs> you know, I felt like just through like music and skateboarding, like that's, that's where I should be. And, you know, I didn't know where to go. And, you know, I, I went to San Francisco cause I knew like one or two people there. I didn't know that San Francisco and LA were six hours away. <laughs> I didn't know that, you know, you can't really surf in San Francisco or how cold the beach was. So you know, a lot of like really fun kind of learning experiences I had, but you know, I loved it. I went there and, you know, very quickly, I was very lucky. I got a job working at a record label called uh, alternative tentacles, which is mostly known for putting out uh, uh, the De dead Kennedy's records and a lot of other kind of really, you know, obtuse, alternative and like punk bands but it was, it was it was an incredible experience you know and just like especially being like 22 outside of you know school and like in your first real job and then you know i worked there for about probably two and a half years and did some other things and then i just randomly ended up applying for a job at uh, a company in oakland i wish that where i had just moved to um, that was making t-shirts for uh, like Green Day and a lot of other kind of like East Bay um, bands from that kind of that scene. You know, I was, gosh, this was uh, 25 years ago or, or something, 25 years ago. And, you know, the company just kept growing and growing as Green Day grew. And, uh, you know, and I got to work and meet with so many great bands and meet so many great, great people. And, um, that it kind of became like an accidental career, you know, and, and like, I, th I think back on it, like at, at times, like, in, like, you know, like, was I like into t-shirts when I was like growing up or things like that? I was, and I was definitely into like more like skateboarding and kind of like stuff like that. And like, I can remember buying, you know, like one or two, like, like punk rock t-shirts at like our local skate shop and thinking like, wow, like I'm, you know, it's, like I've, I've done something like, like, you know, it's like, you know, done something wrong. You know, it, it's like, it was such a, it was such like a danger. It seemed like such like a dangerous thing back then. Like to like your badge of honor, like, you know, it's like you wear a t-shirt from a band and you're kind of like, you know, it's like meeting your, your people or your, um, your, your, your tribe in, in a lot of ways. I worked there for close to 15 years. And then about 10 years ago, I uh, took a job here in LA and, yeah. So now like I, I mean, um, professionally, I run a um, music merchandise and licensing company here in LA called uh, Sandbag. And we work, work with some really like in, incredible artists. Most people know us as the company that makes merchandise for Radiohead. So, and I, you know, I've been here for eight years now and um, I run the, uh, the U.S. Uh, operation here. So. So you came down. So, okay. So you, West Virginia, San Francisco to Oakland, down to LA, right? And were you playing music this whole time or were you just sort of like working more of the business and the, the, you know, the, the behind the scenes for these great artists or were you actually playing at the same time? In college, I played in a few bands, nothing, I mean, great friends, but like, you know, this is like, West Virginia, you know, we, 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 there were multiple times we got in a van and we put out like, about a seven inch record i mean and like back then like this is 1996 i think you know 
like we recorded some songs with like a guy that didn't want to record with us and we pressed a seven inch record ourselves and um, i mean it was it was an amazing it was an amazing thing yeah so I, I played in that band and then when i came to um san francisco I pretty quickly i was playing guitar and singing in a band called um, hit self-destruct and we were a band for a couple of years and then um at some point we stopped playing and i started playing guitar uh with three other friends in a band called glaciers and um, we're still a band we put out um three uh 12-inch uh, records and we've done like some tours we played a lot of shows you know we all live in different cities now which is pretty common for for bands and we you know we got together a couple months ago we have another album that's almost done so I, I don't think it's something that i'll ever ever stop doing you know it's like it's not it's funny like when you're talking about these things and like i'm sure you'll ask me about like the record label too it's you know i, I don't purposely like stack all these things it's just something that like i like to do you know yeah so like when, when so, so this background you had, right? So you're in San Francisco, you're inadvertently, you know, started working at companies that are making t-shirts for bands. And now you're come down here working at Sandbag. Like at that company you run, you and your partner run the U.S. Uh, US team, U.S.-based team, because you're a global entity. Like what's the process of like turning, does the artist get involved and you take their vision and then you turn this into like, merch but then experiences beyond that it's half and half i mean i'd say it's a pretty even split i mean 50 percent of the artists we work with come to us with like a vision they, they probably have a creative director and you know it's our our job to essentially you know apply it to merchandise like we might be involved in the discussion of you know product development you know the other half they have no plan no idea but I mean, on, on both sides, like we always try and like either discuss with the artists, you know, their creative vision to make sure that it's um, seen through to the end product and ultimately to their, their fans. You know, there's not one process that's the same, you know, but it, we spend a great deal of time on our artwork and product development because I, I think ultimately it's really important that you know, people are buying more than just like, you know, more than just a t-shirt, you know? Oh, of course. Of course. Yeah. You, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting nowadays, like you said, back when, you know, we were in college or, or coming out of college and there was these scenes where, you know, you, I was in a skateboarding, you were in a skateboarding, having that kind of community was like a shared thing you could have with, yeah, again, t-shirts like you mentioned. Right. And yeah. These bands probably had the similar upbringings. I know you work with a, a good deal of uh, recognizable names as well. Yeah. How how like does working with them or just working at Sandbag, right? Like for your team here in the U.S., have there been any milestones or or even challenges that kind of are like like sort of help shape what you're doing today that you could share? That's a good question. You know, I think that we're most known. For I think it was like about 13 or 14 years ago. We were the company that, um, you know, we essentially applied Radiohead's vision of uh, the pay what you want model for an album they put out called In Rainbows. And, you know, it's it's funny because like it, it really, in, you know, in the grand scheme of it, it wasn't that long ago. 
I mean, I, I it's, yeah. I mean, it's probably under 15 years or something like that, but yeah. you know, in today's technology, that was like so long ago and it was before I, before I was working here, but it's always what I've kind of thought of like, Oh, that was like, you know, in a lot of ways, it really shook up the music industry in my opinion, where it, w- it was like, I mean, it, you know, it's like, wow, what a crazy idea. We put out this incredible album and we're going to let people pay what they want for it. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, but, I mean, I, I think that's probably what the company is most known for, but we've done like so many like, like amazing things over the years. And like when I, it's, it's hard to like even name one because every day, like you're telling it's, a, it's like a, every day is a challenge. You know, there's every day is something new, but like, well, I was going to say, you know, my, my follow up to that would be what, what challenges are there? Cause there have to be some constraints, whether it's their label or you know. T- timing's usually like the biggest constraint. There's never enough like time in the day and like the deadlines are just like, I mean, it's just, you know, I think that's probably the most obvious, you know, when it comes to like designing stuff or making products, like, you know, all that stuff falls in line. You know, it's it's always just a matter of like timing, you know, and I think that like, one of the things that I've always enjoyed doing is just being um, a part of like album campaigns, you know, like when we're working with an artist and like we'll do their album pre-order uh, or do like the merchandise around it. But like, I've always enjoyed that kind of like that setup um, and just being there from like the, I guess like the be- the beginning, you know. Yeah, the inception, right? It seems like I saw on this site, it said basically that you guys have sort of a, almost like a family type of atmosphere with these like global, you know, huge artists that everyone listening to this podcast would recommend. But, you know, with this personal touch that you like to sort of, you know, bring to the table, like how, how do you, how do you do that with, with these artists that might be, multi-gazillionaires right but try to give everyone like a personal touch when they all have different personalities and and and, and things like that yeah i mean i, I don't know the that's I mean, it's, a, it's a it's a good question but I, i'd say it's just like when you're dealing with you know when you're dealing with people you know mm-hmm. i mean it's kind of hard to escape that you're we're like you're not dealing with like ai like you know, designers here, you know, everybody puts their mark on something. And I think that what's, that's really what makes us or, you know, other companies like special. It's like, um, you know, they, I I feel like people will come to us because they like the artwork that we've made for um, others. And, you know, there's always going to be like stylistic things, but, you know, it's far as like, you know, personal touch goes. I mean, I think that's what you want. That's what you want from like a company you're working with. And I think that, you know, for, for me, it would be in a position of leadership. That's what I want. I want to offer, you know, I, I want, I, I want to be in the business of people, you know, cause I think that that's like, it's a really important thing, you know? And I think that's like, like every artist we work with, they get like an account manager and, um, you know, they can text any of us at any time. Like there's a direct line of communication, but I, I think that it's really important because I think that, you know, people are what really make, you know, that's what makes things special, you know? And I think it's very important for, yeah. for me that like they understand they're dealing with like, you know, actual humans, you know? Yeah. The human touch is definitely as things become so, like you said, whether it's AI or just everyone staring at a device all day, that this human touch is really something that even younger artists and, and even more, you know, veterans 
have to appreciate that sort of approach that you guys have to it. And I would imagine that, you know, I I've seen just like on the website, you know, you've done pop-up stores, you've done, you know, you know, relationships you have with different, uh, outlets or retail outlets. Are there any like, like cool stun? I know you mentioned the one that you guys did with the, you know, choose your own price kind of, kind of concept, but how about like more of like the um, experiential side, the the event side that you've done that that have been kind of memorable or stands out from? One of the things we we do that I, I think is actually really awesome is like we provide we can provide VIP experiences, and you know it's either um, you know things changed a bit uh, because of COVID, but um, you know it was very common, you know pre COVID for you, um, you know, to pay a certain amount of money and you get to meet the artist and do, and have like a photo op with them with some kind of like step and repeat, but it's like, you're right there. And like, you know, I've like traveled and seen a lot of these and like, you know, it was like pretty, like, you know, amazing to see like someone meet, um, you know, like blink 182 and then Uh, people are crying because they're just so overwhelmed. You know, it's it's a very like it's a very special personal thing, and you know, in 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 most VIP today, it's it's because of COVID, it's more like oh, you get to see the artist sound check, so it's like a sound check party, but like that's mm-hmm. still to me like a very personal thing, like it's you and maybe thirty to fifty other people in a room, rather than you know a thousand or five thousand people or whatever, you know. But if, when you're talking about it, experiential, I, I think that is. Um, you know, it's very important in our, in our industry to, to be able to provide something that goes beyond just, you know, just a black t-shirt, you know? Right. So, so these, I guess, again, it goes back to sort of that, that human touch, right? Whether it's with the artists and, and yourselves or the artists and their fans creating that human connection that, you know, again, is, is going to transcend no matter what decade we're in, you know what I mean? So thinking of like, the future or technology or um, just just things that are going on social media, how fast people are consuming content. Like you guys have seemed to be still successful no matter like what happens in, in the industry or with tech. So is there, are there like strategies that you imply? Is, is it just as simple as, Hey, just keep this human, human contact, human approach, human, human touch going uh or, or is there something deeper than that that kind of keeps you all at the forefront of what you're doing it's i mean there's no exact answer for it there's probably a bit of like strategy or business acumen and there's probably a little bit of like resilience as well as like maybe maybe like luck you know like you know like just for an example like you know during the pandemic there were no live concerts and like you know, live concerts or it's the majority of our sales, you know, but you know, what were, what were we going to do? I mean, everything went to e-com, you know, it's, I'm not the only person that that experienced this, but like, you know, I I think that it's just, it's probably a matter of just kind of understanding like, you know, trends and, you know, maybe like buying behavior and just, Mm -hmm. just knowing, you know, it's like, I mean, ultimately, I don't think that like for like what we do, like where um, people want to support the artists, they want to like they want to be a fan, they want to support the artists in whatever way that they can. So I think it's our responsibility to you know a you know, provide like 
you know, a great product, but also be thinking about like, what are some other things that we can be doing? You know, what are other ways for us to help the fan connect with their favorite artist, you know, and sometimes we get it right. Sometimes we don't, but the idea is that like, we're always thinking about, I'd say like the artists and the fan, you know, the most two most important things. Mm-hmm. The reason why we're here, you know, Right. And, and, and you have this background, right? You know, even in college, I wondered the label that you and your friends, um, Jason Pearson and Justin Sinkovich started solid brass brass records right now that is sort of like a nineties DIY music scene. If I'm not mistaken, was that sort of that venture? What, what sort of sparked that, that the idea for the, for that venture that you guys put together? Well, I knew, like I knew Justin from a long time ago because I mean, when I first came, like I've skipped some things for you, but when I first came to San Francisco and I was working at Alternate Tentacles, you know, I just I thought like you know, just I've always been so enamored by like vinyl records. I always always have. I thought it was just the it's just you know growing up in you know in, in West Virginia, like to me, it's like when I bought a record. I, I felt like I was like, just like, you know, this is like early eighties. So like there's some pretty wild, like punk stuff that I was like seeing, but it's like, you're, it's not just a record. It's like, it's someone's life. It's like the different culture, you know? So like I was buying a record and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like this is so different <laughs> than where I am. <laughs> like, Wow. Like Southern California or like New York city or, you know, like Europe or like, this is like, holy like crap, this is insane. And so I've always felt like I've always wanted to, I always wanted to have like, you know, the ability to put out records, whether my band or, um, you know, other people. And so I was working on alternative tentacles and I started a, a, a label on the side, uh, called sound on sound. And I put out probably about eight, uh, records in about two years. And, you know, I did, lost a lot of money because I didn't know what I was doing, <laughs> you know, but I put out some good records. And then I felt like I always had it in me. Like, like, Oh, I'm, I'm playing in glaciers. And like, we're like me and the drummer, Dennis, like we're putting out these records ourselves and they're selling. And I'm like, wow, this is so cool. It's like, it's, it was so, uh, it was so anti music industry to me. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. we don't have a manager. We don't have like an agent. We don't have like any of these, like, like we're our own record label. Like, it, like you said the word DIY. It's like, yeah. I mean, it's like, t- like we're, you know, like paying someone to press the records. We're packing them up and we're mailing them to people. It's like, this is the most amazing thing ever. And like, it's so anti, you know, music and his world. Yeah. It's yeah. so like the way in a lot of ways, it's like, this isn't how it works, but this is the way it should work. You know, mm-hmm. and we like we have always been inspired by like new labels like Discord and Touch and Go and I mean SST and like all people because there was a community of people in the eighties, nineties, even today that they did the same way, and so it's like just people inspiring each other. But so the the labels I know Justin, I put out some records from Justin's uh, band on my former label Sound on Sound. Uh, Jason, um, a friend of mine from here in LA, like we had kind of kicked around some ideas because like we wanted to do something like we originally talked about doing like maybe a record store. And then we talked about like, there were a couple of like projects that I always thought would be cool to come out on vinyl. 
that I wanted to reissue or there was a new, there was a new band that recorded an album that like I wanted to put out. So, um, you know, we, we talked about it and like we included Justin and we just, you know, we just, you know, we're learning as we go along. It's a completely different world in 2023 when it comes to, you know, selling records. It's different than the way it used to be. But, uh, I, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't know if there was any kind of grand, like, um, master plan or, or anything like that. It was just, you know, it was for the love of music and love of like the format of vinyl records of like, you know, it's just, I don't, I don't know. It's, I mean, that, that's, that's kind of hard to answer. It's like, why do we do it? I don't know. Cause we want, we want it to, <laughs> we want it to yeah. makes you feel good. Yeah. yeah. You know, and it's yeah. same reason why I play guitar in the band. It's like, why do I do it? Cause I don't know. I like it. You know, yeah. it's cool. Yeah. It's and, cool. And, and, well, and with these artists that you're, you're you know, you have reissues, you, you have, you know, um, new artists that you work with, but you want like each record to tell a story. So like, what, what do you think? Like, what do you think so crucial about, about that and having that theme? Because I think, I think back when I was like getting the music when I was 12 or 13, you know, like I, I, I was so just like you getting a record and you looking at it and just looking at the lyric sheet or just reading about stuff and just being like, Wow what is this? You know what I mean? Like, yeah, like yeah, this liner is, notes. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mean, and I think that like a lot of people that, you know, probably come from like a tiny town that maybe didn't have that kind of like culture or whatever. I, you know, I think that a lot of people understand because like, you know, I, I, mean, I always ask my wife about stuff because she's, you know, essentially grew up in California. I'm like, did you guys see bands play like when you were younger? Like, did you know about this kind of stuff? You know, or I asked my friends that grew up in Orange County and they're telling me they, these stories and stuff, or even like, you know, San Francisco, you're just like, wow. So you mean to tell me that you didn't have to drive seven hours to see a band <laughs> or like find a record store? Like that's the most amazing thing. So, I mean, you know, not every, I mean, not every record is, is, you know, gonna, you know, will essentially tell that story, but yeah, I think that's, I think that's the goal. You know, and, and I think that any band that we put out will, will will say that that's also, you know, their their goal. But it's we're doing like a mixture of you know older stuff that we're trying to like you know be like an archival label, and also like new, new bands. I think it's important that you do like you do both. And we we put out like oh man, like I think we've done eleven or twelve records this year. So it's been it's it's been a you know. You know, Jason's done the, he, you know, it's, he's done an enormous amount of work, you know, on this, you know, and it's, 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 it's cool. I think we're finally starting to get things together and kind of like understand the process of, uh, being a record label from three guys in their late forties and all that, you know. <laughs> Because we're not, so I mean, like we're not, we're not, because I mean, the kind of bands we're putting out, it's not like, uh, I wouldn't say pop music. We're not opposed to it, you know. Right. But, you know. Well, is there like a, a, a theme or elements that you like the artists to sort of share in common? Is it, is it that 90s sound? No, because it's all, everything's been different. You know, I think that hmm. for the projects I've worked on, I think it like a lot of them were like friends of mine or just like certain things like, like one of the first records we did was this band um, Nuzzle, and these were guys that I, the friends of mine from like the '90s, and like my old label put out like a a seven inch record from them, and I'd always had this tape 
of a, a you know, they recorded, they essentially recorded an album for Sub Pop, a Sub Pop subsidiary that, that went away. And, it, and I think they, they ended up re-recording some of the songs for another album, but I always thought that like this tape I had, this original session was like so much better. And just in my opinion, and I always like, oh, I wish somebody would put that out, you know? And I think that, but I think that's, that's, you know, it's, it's kind of like an important theme. Like, you know, you can think, I wish, I wish, or like, I wish someone, you know, would do this or you can do it. And like, the cool thing is like, if you, if you put your heart to it and your mind to it, you'd be surprised. You can, you can accomplish a lot of things, you know what I mean? And I think that that's just who I am, you know, like, I don't know if it's, it's, you know, I'm somewhat stubborn and also mm-hmm. d- determined, but I just, you know, it was very important to me. Like, I like this, this tape. I want to put it out and I'm still friends with these guys and they love the idea. Mm-hmm. And so we put it out. I mean, it's, you know, it's, it's, it's like as simple as that. You make it seem simple. <laughs> there's a lot of work in, in the, well, the I mean, there's, a, there's a ton, there's a ton of work, but you know, I, I think that the idea behind it is really, is really important and that like, you know, if there's something you want to do, like you should really, you know, set a goal for yourself and figure out how, how, how am I going to make this happen? Mm-hmm. And I think that that's, that's always been like who, who I am when it comes to like my jobs and, you know, career and stuff, because like, it's sometimes it's pretty wild to think back like, Oh man, like I grew up in like, you know, this, this nice small town in West Virginia. And now like I built this like really awesome you know, life for myself and like, uh, you know, in Los Angeles. And it's like, wow, like how did that happen? You know? And I think it's like, you know, determination and you just, you got to follow your heart, you know? Yeah. I mean, and have to have some luck, I guess. I don't know. Well, luck, luck definitely plays a part. Obviously you, you have a lot of experience. Just, I mean, thinking, just listening to you talk about coming here in, you know, when you were 22, all the jobs sort of built into like, what you're doing, you were already doing it, you know, it feels like two decades ago. Oh, Joe, it's, but I also like, I have to say, like, I think that as a father now, I don't want my daughter to ever have yeah. to. <laughs> cause, cause you know, I think about it. I'm like, Oh my gosh. Like I came to like California when I was 22 with like barely any money and like no job and like no place to live. And I knew two people and it's like, like talk about something that has the potential for a complete, you know, complete failure. It's like, it's that. Cause like, I remember I, I came here and like, you know, I, I started working at a coffee shop and I'm like, I'm sure that my parents were just like, were like, wow, you went to college and you came to California and now you're working at a coffee <laughs> shop. Like there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with that, sure. but like, you know, I think it's more a reflection of like upon like how expensive it is here. Yeah. You know, and then I just, within like a month, I got a, you know, I guess you could say like in a lot of ways, my dream job at that record label. Yeah. So I think we all had that, right? Everyone comes out here and they expect, oh man, New York, LA. And and when you start to like break down, whoa, (laughs) there's not like job waiting for you just because you have a college degree, you know, and it kind of hits you. I know. I know. It does, man. And it's like, I mean, I feel incredibly grateful for everything I've done because even, you know, some missteps that I've made or mistakes, it's all part of like, 
it's who you are, you know, and it kind of builds into your stuff. And like, I feel incredibly grateful now for, you know, my job at Sandbag. And, but I just, I wouldn't want to do that again. Like I wouldn't want to just <laughs> drive across the country <laughs> without like a, you know, a, pl- a plan. But, you know, when you're that age, like I think, you know, it's, you know, life, life can be kind of, life can be really hard, but it can also be really forgiving. Yeah. You know, yeah. you just kind of, it's okay. It's okay to make those kind of mistakes when you're younger. But. Oh yeah. And, and, you know, we make these mistakes so our kids don't have to. Right? <laughs> so like it, going right, looking at uh, solid brass for now, right? Like what, what are, what are the plans for the three of you, for people listening, for fans? What, what do you, what do you have in store uh, for the next chapter? You did, you said you almost what at 12, almost like one record a month this year. What, what are you, what's the goal for next year? Well, we've got um, essentially, I think we've got three or four other albums that like in the, um, uh, that are at the pressing plant or about to be pressed. Um, and then there's a few other um, projects we're working on. I mean, I, I think that right now for us, it's just uh, con- continuing to like do what we do. And like, you know, what's very important for me is like, um, it happens very often that like when a record comes out, then it's like a lot of labels just move on to the next one. It's almost as if like, the album campaign is is done with on day two of the release and like i hate that so i think what's really important for us is that like we just continue to like try and like find new ways for people to discover the music you know and it's we're trying to get people on like more like podcasts you know more like spotify playlists Mm -hmm. because a lot of the bands like they can't really afford to to tour and also like some of the records are like reissues. So there's no, there's no, there's sure. no touring. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a different landscape at this, this year or in 2024, how to like, you know, sell, sell records. But I think what's really important for me is that we just, uh, we don't stop once the album's out, mm-hmm. you know, we're continuing to either try and find placement for the music and, you know, movies or TV shows or you know, more playlists um, or getting people on podcasts, but you know, cause I, I feel like for, for me, it's like, you know, I, I didn't really talk about this, but like, I feel an enormous amount of responsibility, you know, but both on like a merchandise side for like clients, but also like on my record label, it's like, you know, it's my job to get their art out there, you know? And like, I don't want to let people down because that, that, that would be a bummer to me if it would just like, you know, if it just, comes out and flops you know but yeah yeah no absolutely you know, uh, okay so taking like you know music and, and merchandise and obviously te- you know evolving trends challenge you know technologies that sort of do, do you see like how do or how do you see the future of artists interacting with their fans and monetizing their work just based on your experience but where do you see the industry heading I mean, I think it's kind of like what we were talking about earlier. I think it's that personal touch. Yeah. I think that, you know, the, the closer that a fan, and this, this probably applied to like both sides, the, first, the closer that a fan can feel to the artist, mm-hmm. I think is, it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's probably the best win you can have. You know, and I, I think it's just going to be a process for everyone of like, well, how do you, you know, how do you, how do you do that? You know, and I, I don't, I don't think that, that there's really, you know, an answer. It's like, maybe it's the VIP experience. Like maybe, you know, like bands will start hand delivering 
records to the fans. Like, I, I, I don't know, but like, you know, it, it's, I, I think that like, um, I always see it like, like, like when you widen that gap between the artist, you know, and their fan base, I, I always feel like that's when, you know, people start to, you, they, they lose me or you, they, they get lost, you know, and it's like, there's either that live concert experience, you know, I mean, I don't know. I think that's what everyone's trying to figure out right yeah. now. Yeah. So I, well, like, do you take, do you ever draw experience? Like, okay, say you're at Sandbag, but then you're also making decisions at Solid Brass, your, your label. Do, do they ever like, did the two worlds ever like, you know, overlap, collide or, or, or even compliment? Not really. I mean, Sandbag does the fulfillment for our record label for the, the D to C, the e-com. But, you know, I felt like when I went into it, I was like, oh, okay, well, like the album comes out, let's say on December, you know, this Friday, December, what is it? December 8th. Let's just say that, for example. Well, like, and I'm talking solid brass right now. So my experience of working with a lot of bands is like, well, we can't ship that album out early because it doesn't come out until this Friday, you know? So it's like, oh man, like we have to quarantine the records and they'll be sitting like in our warehouse for like a couple of weeks. You know, the one thing I thought about for our label was like, who cares if the album's coming out like December 15th and we've got them November 15th, let's ship them early. You know, and it's, it's interesting because like, I don't think that a lot of artist managers that I work with on the merchandise side, I don't think they'd probably want to do that because, you know, there's, there's an enormous amount of like buildup and like work that goes in to the planning and the campaign. And you don't want your partner to just ship it early because then all of us like, you know, back in the day, like the problem would be like, it would leak, mm. you know, like it would leak because people would always have these little download cards that you need buy a record and they could put it on the internet. Like, I don't know if that really happens that much nowadays, but for our label, I just thought, okay, if you're trusting us and you're buying it early from us, I'll send it to you early. So yeah. <laughs> I kind of did the opposite. No, but, no, that's you know, but I, th- I think, I think, I think the, like that's one thing that's important that I learned is like, well, if the, you know, if the music industry tells you that, you do it this way. I just, I just think like that's that doesn't make sense. I'm a fan. I don't want to wait like a month. I want it early, you know. So, so then if you're so okay, so that makes sense. If you're, I th- it all comes back to me still to this, like you said, the human touch, making that sort of across the board seems to be like the key theme. But you also mentioned you, you play in a band. You played with these guys for a good while from from the Bay Area. Uh, glaciers, right? So, like, you, how much do you think uh, you being a, a musician plays a role into just the, the endeavors you you know in life? Oh, 100 percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. I mean, you, you know, you, you're a musician. You understand. I mean, I, I always like when I'm put into kind of situations that like maybe are you know difficult. Like, I'm, I think. I'm talking more on the merchandise side because I work with a lot of like really large, well-known artists, you know, and if there's ever like an issue or something comes up, I mean, that's the first thing I think of is mm-hmm. like, what would the band think? You know, because if you understand like on my side of things, like with um, merchandise, there's, there's, there's a lot of layers, you know, we're, we're not always dealing with, with the band directly. There's, you know, 99% of the time there's an artist manager, um, and management team, 
you know, that you're dealing with mid, mid, middle people. And, that, that, and a lot of times that's great, you know, but like if there's ever an issue, I'll, the first thing I think of is like, mm-hmm. you know, like what would the band think? If I was in the band, mm-hmm. like, would I be happy about this? You know? Um, but I, I think that I, I forget your original question, but like, that's, that's, and I think that as, as a musician, like, it's just, it's almost like, you know, common sense or, or in my DNA, but I also, I, you know, and I also think like, you don't necessarily need to be a musician to like think that way. I think that, you know, if you, like a lot of us that kind of came up in that kind of like, you know, that independent music or punk rock scene, you know, I, I think it, it was, this has always been very, you know, um, band and fan like centric rather than like, you know, machine or corporate kind of stuff, you know? And I think that it's just, it's a matter of like, what's fair, you know? doing what um you know we think is the right thing to do and i think that like you know to to my gut my core that's that's always the way that i'll I'll look at things is like what's what's fair to the artist fair to the company but you know mostly fair (laughs) to the artist yeah (laughs) yeah no for sure so then what about like musical consumption right so like for people who okay so from like, okay, we're streaming, we have physical products, we still have vinyl, but everyone has some sort of a you know, platform that they listen to to music through um, streaming, right? You mentioned the importance of getting on playlists and things like that. So where do you see like the future of uh, people consuming music? Where, where do you think that's heading or maybe technologies that could excite or, or concern you depending on um, what, what they're going to potentially do to the industry? Well, it's... Yeah, I mean, it's definitely streaming 100%. I mean, I think that's what everybody does now. I mean, including myself. You know, I listen to, like, music on my phone when I go running or when I'm in the car or even when I'm at home. You know, I I think that it's very important for people, though, to have the ability to um, purchase, you know, a physical object to support their favorite artists. You know, I think if we're talking about you know, mu- music, you know, I, I think it's just, it, it, I don't think it'll ever be the way it used to be. You know, I, I think that we've seen that um, you read it like, Oh, vinyl sales are back. And, you know, I think that for a lot of artists, that's, that's, you know, that's true. You know, I'm sure Taylor Swift has sold like a billion copies of her record, you know, um, and that's rad, but you know, I, I don't like, you know, back in the day, like if you to be like a top 10 billboard artist for like a charting week, I mean, you'd have to sell like hundreds, a hundred over a hundred thousand like physical records, you know, now for actual physical, I'm not going to stream, but now for actual physical, it's like for a really solid album campaign for a large artist. I mean, if you sell 10,000 physical records, that's really good. That's really good. Most people won't do that. And it'll, it'll chart, you know, for even such a smaller amount because mostly because of the digital spins. But I, you know, I definitely think that like di- you know, digital is not going away. I think that if anything, it's just, you know, you know, I think about like my daughter, like discovering music, you know, just like her immediate the way that she learns about music is through like YouTube <laughs> or Spotify through her friends. You know, and then it's like, oh, what is this CD thing? Or like, you know, I don't want to say that physical records are an afterthought, you know, 
because I just, I refuse to think that, but it's not what it used to be. But like one thing I'll say on the merchandise side Mm -hmm. of things, you know, I think that's where people certainly are able to really support, you know, their favorite artists because, you know, if there's a band that you love and they have a new album out, let's say you buy that one album. Okay. You bought that. You have that now, but it's easy for an artist to have like 10 different t-shirt designs or 10 different merchandise things. And you can continue to do that. Like, you know, artists will, you know, their line, their line of merchandise will always be evolving, you know? So, um, I think that on the the merchandise side of things, like the e-commerce, the DPC, there's just always going to be new ways for you to support your artists with that. That that's where the opportunity is in a lot, in a lot of ways, in my opinion, the physical um, object. So for people who are listening, right? Uh, you, you have obviously your, your sandbag, you have solid brass, you have your band glaciers. Where would be like the best way for people to connect with you or even like social media, just, just to get to know more about you and follow you and, and all the cool stuff you're doing. Probably like on Instagram, you know, under my name, uh, Chuck Petri, you know, P E T T R Y. Um, that's probably the easiest way to get in touch with me, you know? So <laughs> I don't, I mean, I'm not really a Facebook person, so. Yeah, I know it's, it's, uh, everyone's got their favorite platform. What did you, did you, did you, did you, con- did you contact me on Facebook and I ignored you? Or no, something? no, no, no. We were on Instagram. <laughs> we're, we're, we're somewhere in the meta world, but we were on Instagram. <laughs> oh, that's, uh, always forget that they're in the same company, right? Oh yeah. WhatsApp. He's got them all. So, you know. One, one day we'll, he keeps growing that empire, but yeah, man. So thank you for taking the time today. It's been awesome just getting to know. I mean, I, I knew a lot about what you did in the last decade, but I didn't know all these precursors that kind of came to like how they all kind of took form in, in what you're doing today. It was pretty cool to hear. And I think people listening can definitely just gain a lot about just things in the industry. They probably didn't even know existed. So I think you shed a lot of light on, um, just that part of the of of the music world. So I thank you for that, and and you know for sharing all that that your insights and your story with us. Yeah, of course, Joe. It's been great talking to you. Um, I feel really honored that you would uh, want to talk to me about all this stuff. So it's been great. Cool. I'm super happy for you uh, for your podcast. You know, and I look forward to hearing more episodes. And you know, I, I can't. I hope to see you and your family again soon. So. Yeah, we will definitely do it, but thank you so much again, and uh, we'll, we'll make a plan to catch up. Cool. Good talking to you, my man. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Experience Curve. Please take the time to share this podcast with a friend or colleague to help get the word out about my show.